Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Welcome to this episode number 97 of the Employment Law and HR podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I'm an employment law solicitor and HR specialist, and I run my own business, Real Employment Law Advice. We provide advice and assistance to employers and employees on all aspects of employment law. Thank you very much for tuning in to this week's podcast. I'm going to be doing a mini series again. Um, you, those of you who have listened regularly or have listened back to the old episodes will know that I do a mini series here and there on a particular topic. And this time I'm going to be focusing on grievances. And I anticipate there'll probably be three to four episodes in this mini series. And Depending on how things go, we may very well have a break at episode 100 and then come back to it, but I will see how things go with the grievance episodes. Normally, I round off the mini-series with frequently asked questions, so I'm going to ask you now, right at the beginning, if you have any questions about grievances or how you handle grievances or any experience of dealing with unusual situations with grievances, then please get in touch because I'll feature it in the frequently asked questions in the very last episode in this mini-series. You can contact me by email. It's alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's featured content, which is an introduction to grievances. For those of you who have been working in HR or have been employers for a while, you will undoubtedly have had some experience with employee grievances, whether that be a formal grievance or an informal grievance or just a general gripe, you will have some experience of it. And so what I'm doing today is just giving you an introduction to the grievance process and identifying grievances and also why it's important to deal with the grievance procedure correctly. Now, the very starting point when it comes to dealing with grievances is the ACAS Code of Practice. So in 2009, the ACAS Code of Practice came into force, if you like, and it dictates how you deal with grievances and provides guidance on what you need to be doing. The ACAS Code of Practice is important for a number of reasons, but I'll come back to that. But it does identify what a grievance is and unsurprisingly, it's any concern, problem or complaint an employee raises with their employer. So when you're thinking about how to start with grievances and how to deal with them, it's really to think about what is a grievance and it is a concern, it's a problem or a complaint the employee raises with you. Now, in order to be a formal grievance, it doesn't necessarily have to be expressly stipulated as being a grievance. If it's in writing and the employee raises a problem or complaint, then it would be right and proper to consider that as a formal grievance. Now, identifying when somebody has a formal grievance can be difficult because oftentimes their grievance or gripes is wrapped up in something else. It might come as a complaint about some kind of disciplinary or or how their appraisal's gone or about their workload or something like that. And so it can be difficult to identify unless the employee 
specifically states, I am raising a formal grievance and I want you to deal with this in accordance with the grievance procedure, it's up to you to try to identify that. And what I advise employers in trying to identify a grievance is if you have a complaint or something that looks like a complaint or a problem that's been raised in writing by the employee, whether that be in another document or by way of an email or anything like that, then I would just go back to the employee and acknowledge what they've said and ask them if they want you to deal with it as a formal grievance or if they want to have an informal discussion about it. Just remember, the starting point in dealing with grievances is to try to resolve the issue. If the employees raised it with you, they clearly think it's something serious enough to raise it and therefore you're under an obligation as an employer to try to resolve it. And so communication is key. If you're in any way unsure about whether it's a formal grievance, then I recommend you go back to them and ask them. Now, if the employee says no, it's not a formal grievance, but I wouldn't mind having a chat with you about it, then you should do that. Or if they say, no, I don't wish to raise a formal grievance at this time, but I'd like you to note it on my file, then again, you could do the same. If the employee says, no, I don't want you to do anything about it, and it's a serious issue that they've raised, you may have an obligation to investigate it anyway, regardless of whether they require you to. Now, the kind of circumstances where this may arise is if the employee says, in an email, for example, that they feel that they're being harassed in some way by a colleague or a manager. If you go back to them and say, look, do you want me to deal with this as a formal grievance? And they say, no, I'm just telling you it. You then have to decide if you have an obligation, a duty of care, if you like, to that employee and to other employees to look into it now that it's come to your attention. And it may be that your general duty outweighs the obligation to the employee not to review it. In those circumstances, you would say to the employee, I would recommend you get get them into an office or have a meeting with them somewhere aside from everyone else and say, look, now that you've brought this issue to my attention, I'm legally bound as your employer with a duty of care to look into it. So I'm going to look into it and see if you can't get them to come on board with the grievance investigation. So whilst you might think that grievances are straightforward, it can be tricky even just to identify whether it's a formal grievance or not. Now, assuming that the employee has raised a formal grievance, what are your obligations and what are the risks of not doing so? Well, what you need to know is that you need to take grievances seriously. And aside from being good HR practice and good management practice, being a good employer and creating a good working environment, you do have some risks from a legal perspective. Now, I mentioned earlier about the ACAS Code of Practice, and this is the ACAS Code of Practice on Disciplinary and Grievances. Now, a failure to follow the ACAS Code of Practice in relation to a grievance could result in you having to pay up to 25% more in compensation if the employee were to bring a claim in the employment tribunal. It's not in all claims, but in many claims, if an employee brings a claim and is successful and they've raised a grievance and you failed to follow the ACAS code, the employment tribunal have the discretion to increase the compensation by 25%. So if your failure to comply is unreasonable and it's just inequitable, you can end up paying 25% more. So it's always worth making sure that you follow at least as the very minimum what the ACAS code of practice says. 
Now, the purpose of this uplift is to try to encourage parties to resolve matters before they get to the employment tribunal. And it applies equally to employers and employees. So if an employee unreasonably fails to follow the grievance procedure, then their compensation could be reduced by 25%. So when I'm advising employees who have a dispute at work, I would advise them to raise a formal grievance. So it usually will come about around the same time or if they're already indicating that they're going to make an employment tribunal claim, that would be why they're raising a grievance. The second potential consequence of failing to deal with a grievance appropriately is that it could, in some circumstances, give rise to the employee having a claim for constructive unfair dismissal. Now, I've talked about constructive unfair dismissal before in other podcasts, but notably in episodes 18 and 21, if you want to go back and listen. But essentially, constructive unfair dismissal arises where an employee resigns from their employment in response to an employer's fundamental breach of their contract. So it could be an express term or an implied term. And one of the implied terms is the duty of trust and confidence. And this is all wrapped up in the obligations to deal with grievances appropriately. And there have been cases, as case law that supports the fact that a failure to provide an impartial grievance procedure can in itself give rise to a claim for constructive unfair dismissal, so it could be a breach, or it could contribute to an already existing breach. Oftentimes, employees will allege that the employer's failure to deal with a grievance procedure appropriately is the last straw in a list of breaches Now, it's not necessarily the case in all situations an employee will succeed in saying that the employer is in breach or fundamental breach by failing to do other grievance. It does depend on the circumstances and the seriousness of the allegations. So it would follow that the more serious the issues that are raised in the grievance, the more likely it is if you fail to deal with it that the employee will be able to rely on that in a subsequent constructive unfair dismissal claim. So it's just another reason for ensuring that you are following the correct process with regards to grievances. The third reason is in relation to discrimination. Now, whilst failure to deal with the grievance process in itself is unlikely or very rarely going to be discrimination of itself, if you have failed to deal with it or you deal with it in a way which isn't reasonable, it can help the employee's case in their discrimination claim later on. So it just doesn't look very good upon you if you're trying to say, no, we definitely haven't discriminated against this person, but then you've failed to deal with the grievance in a a reasonable and appropriate way given the allegations that have been raised. So it's important to keep that in mind and to proceed with caution, particularly if they raise an issue of discrimination. And then following on from that in the same way, how you deal with the grievance does have an impact on the employment tribunal's decision making in terms of how they view any subsequent claim. So it just doesn't look very good if the employee has followed the correct process by raising a formal grievance, trying to resolve things internally, and you've just failed to deal with it or you've acted unreasonably in dealing with the grievance process. The last thing you want to be doing is to be sitting in the employment tribunal being cross-examined as to why you ignored a formal written grievance or why you took a long time in dealing with it or why you didn't get somebody impartial to help out with it 
all those kinds of questions. So it helps you in your defence if you've been able to behave in a fair and reasonable manner in the grievance process. So those are the reasons why you need to take grievances seriously. And it's a good job that you're listening to this episode of the podcast and this mini series because you'll have a better understanding. So where do you start? So you've identified that somebody has raised a formal grievance and you know that you've got these reasons why you have to deal with it formally and in a reasonable and proper manner. So where do you go next? Well, if you don't already have an internal grievance procedure then you would need to look to the ACAS code of practice for how you actually go through the process. And I would advise you if you have your own internal grievance procedure to have both a copy of the ACAS code of practice in hand and your internal procedures. There's also some non-statutory guidance from ACAS which sets out good practice and it's a good idea if you're dealing with a grievance to refresh your mind of that and we'll be talking about that a bit more in the future episodes. Ultimately, what you need to keep in mind, and I'll be coming back to this in each of the episodes of the podcast on the grievances, is that you should deal with the issues in a fair manner. And helpfully, the code of practice sets out a real summary, a really good summary, should I say, of what you need to be thinking about. And that is, you should be dealing with matters promptly. So you shouldn't delay in any of the meetings or decisions or investigations. You should act consistently, so deal with the grievance in a consistent manner. You should carry out all the necessary investigations in a fair way and establish the facts. You should inform the employees of what's going on and give them the opportunity to put their case. You should allow the employee to be accompanied at any meetings and then, once you've given your decision, allow them to appeal. So as I say, that's a really good little summary of how the grievances work. And if you keep that in mind from the outset, then you're certainly going to be on the right track. In the next episode of the podcast, I will talk about how you get started, how you assign a grievance investigator and who's the most appropriate person to deal with that and what the first stages are in discussing the grievance issue with the employee. As I said at the outset there will be a frequently asked questions episode at the end of this mini-series so if you do have any questions then please feel free to email me it's alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk. At the end of every episode, I do ask people to get in touch, to give me your feedback, to ask any questions. And I've had a number of people who have connected with me recently on LinkedIn. So thank you very much to those of you who have. And for all the really positive and really nice comments that I receive about the podcast. I am really grateful for them. It can be hard work putting together the podcast and not really knowing if it's of value to people. So it is good to hear from you. And if you do enjoy the show, you can always leave a review on iTunes or you can leave us a testimonial on the website or send me an email with a testimonial and I'll put that on the website. In addition to the podcast, as I said at the top of the show, I do run a solicitor's firm, which is Real Employment or Advice, where we provide advice and assistance to employers and employees on all aspects of employment law. So if your business would like some HR support, some employment law support about anything specific or just help on a general day-to-day basis, then that's a service that we offer. We also produce documentation for employers, including contracts, grievance procedures, GDPR documentation, all of that sort of thing. So once again, if you'd like a no obligation quote, 
do get in touch. My email is alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk. I look forward to speaking to you soon and have a great week. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.